From WHQR Public Media in Wilmington, North Carolina, this is Coastline. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn. There are plenty of gay-friendly churches around the world, but as recently as 2015, Pew Research Center reported that most major religious institutions opposed same-sex marriage. That was the same year, 2015, that the Supreme Court legalized gay unions. By 2019, Pope Francis had expressed his support for gay marriage, despite Pew Research Center's findings that 39% of American Catholics still opposed the idea. By 2023, a gay rights schism divided the United Methodist Church. But there are certainly nuances within individual churches. Official church positions may not always represent those of its congregation. So what happens in an ultra-conservative church when one of its faithful finds out she's raising a gay or a transgender child, especially when her own church community still condemns it. Self-harm and suicide rates for kids who identify as LGBTQ are far higher than for straight cisgender children. Gay or trans kids are also far more likely to be a victim of a violent crime. According to the Trevor Project, having at least one adult who accepts a child for who they are, can reduce their risk of suicide by 40%. So in 2007, one Christian mother decided to defy her church and support her gay son. Liz Dyer's decision caused her to lose some of her friends. But she pressed on with her acceptance and started a group called Mama Bears in the hopes of making the world a kinder, safer, more loving place for all LGBTQ plus people. The story captivated documentary filmmaker Darisha Kai, that conundrum, how Christian parents can maintain their faith in the face of church rejection of their queer children. Emmy Award winner Darisha Kai earned her degree from NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. She has worked as an actor, reporter, and independent filmmaker. She is traveling with her team on the South Arts Southern Circuit Tour of Independent Filmmakers with her film. And she joins me now from WYSO Public Radio near Dayton, Ohio. Darisha Kai, welcome to Coastline. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So good to have you with us. Her documentary, Mama Bears, comes to Wilmington on Friday, March 24th, 2023, at Django's Playhouse. Darisha, it's it's probably easier for non-Christians to just write off the struggles that Christians might have as part of their church. And you told me that you yourself weren't raised in a church and didn't deal with this kind of community condemnation. So so why did a group of Christian women advocating for the queer community inspire you so deeply? One, there are many reasons why I was inspired by their journeys. Um, and one of them is that I saw the power that knowing about the existence of these mothers could have on someone because I told my friend that I had this idea. This isn't back in 2017 when I first came across the story of the Mama Bears. And I told a friend of mine, you know, I found this group and I think there might be something there that I want to explore. And it's about these conservative Christian moms who love their LGBTQ kids. And I could barely get the words out before he burst into tears. 
his mom had rejected him when he was uh, when he came out when he was a I think he was like nineteen or twenty, and she didn't speak to him for years because she was a Jehovah's Witness, and um, it was at least thirty years later, probably more, and he was still feeling that kind of pain. So in that moment, I realized that this story could have very healing abilities for people who had suffered from rejection at the hands of the church and church community. And um, the other reasons are that I have a stepson who had had some difficulty with Christianity and being rejected by Christian members of his family. And I saw firsthand how damaging that can be. And then as a member of the community, I just knew that this story could be powerful. And also because um, I just like telling stories about badass people. And I thought these moms were really badass because they um, undergo what I call the hero's journey. They have to go through the dark night of the soul, if you are familiar with Joseph Campbell, and this idea that like you have to examine everything you believed. You have to risk losing your family, your friends, your church community, maybe your husband or your wife. You know, you... Um, it's it's a it's a very heroic journey and a very difficult undertaking to transform yourself. And that inspires me. I love game changers. I love people who show us that there is another way and show us how to get there. One of the people in the film, the woman who started Mama Bears, Liz, was actually in a support group that was not Mama Bears, but it probably helped to give her the strength to start her own group. Can you tell us a little bit about that group? Because you include it in your film. Yes. There is a wonderful woman named Linda Robertson, and her husband's name is Rob Robertson. They live in Seattle. And they were um, conservative Christians, and they were raising their children in the church. And um, Linda has a gay brother. And because they were very loving and accepting towards their brother, their son thought it would be safe to come out to them. And it wasn't. Um, they really didn't respond well in hindsight. They know this now, but they didn't know at the time. One of the things that I've learned uh, doing this film is that um, parents who do really harmful things are often operating out of a sense of love because they believe that their child, that one, they believe that homosexuality is the greatest sin because this is what they're teaching in the pulpits, that it's an abomination, that it's the worst sin, and that your kid's going to go to hell. So if you believe in hell and you believe your kid is going there and you're going to do anything you can to stop that from happening because it's your job as a parent to protect your child. So I learned that a lot of the things that are really deeply painful, traumatic, and harmful that are done to LGBTQ plus kids is done out of love. And that's the most, um, I don't know, it's just shocking to me and it's very painful. And when the parents realize that, that they've damaged their kids, it's sometimes too late. And that's what happened in the case of Linda and Rob. They taught their son that being gay was a sin. And so they basically taught him to hate himself. And he wound up um, getting involved in drugs and eventually overdosing and passing away. And so it was only in the losing him that they came to realize they they realized it before he died so they were able to reconcile with him thank goodness before he passed away and then as a lot of addicts do he slipped and he used again and that was that was fatal and so um they were obviously devastated um especially given that they felt culpable 
you know. And so Linda decided that she was going to start a support group for people like her who had those same kind of beliefs to help them learn to love their children unconditionally. And so she started the first support group for moms. Uh, she wasn't calling it mama bears, but it, they were mama bears because um, <laughs> the definition of mama bears, according to Liz Dyer, is women who are whose love is warm and fuzzy, but they fight like hell for the LGBTQ community. So that's what Linda was doing. And so that's the group that um, actually Sarah joined that group and Linda, I mean, and um, Liz joined that group. And eventually Liz decided she wanted to have a group that was a little bit more progressive and started her own group. And actually, you mentioned Sarah. Sarah Cunningham in your film talks about what what the church meant to her before she encountered this particular point of tension. So let's listen. When we moved into the neighborhood, I got plugged into the church, and I loved every aspect of it. I loved the scriptures. I loved prayer. When the church doors were open, we were there. I'm making a video. I am a friend of God. Hey, everybody's a friend. Let me zoom in. Okay, there you are. Oh. It was the hub of activity in our neighborhood. That's where we voted. That's where we ate dinners on Wednesday night. And we didn't have same-sex couples in our congregation. We didn't have same-sex marriages. At that time, I thought I was pretty open-minded until it was my son. Until it was my son. That's Sarah Cunningham in the documentary Mama Bears by Darisha Kai. Darisha, tell us a little bit about Sarah Cunningham. How did she come to realize that she would rather accept, support, and love her son? I think that, you know, like many moms who come from that kind of background, it was a journey. It took a while. Um, This is not something that happens overnight. One of the things that I learned uh, in the course of doing the film, uh, I was interviewing a gay man who said, it took me years to come to terms with my sexuality. Why would I expect my parents to come to terms with it overnight, right? And he said, you know, I have to allow them to go through the process. I have to have grace, right? So that happened early on in the process. And so when I started interviewing people, I had that in the back of my mind. Sarah's son was trying to come out to her his entire life. He knew he was gay from a very young age. And as a matter of fact, she knew it too. But this level of denial, you know, um, that often um, parents find themselves having to to deal with, she was very much in denial. And um, I mean, she told me a story about how one time when he was six or seven, Parker came downstairs dressed in, a, in her clothing and her shoes, and she said it was the happiest she'd ever seen him. So she knew in the back of her mind, but she just couldn't accept it until he turned 21. And he, at that point, you know, was like, listen, I'm done trying to conform to be the kid you want, the person you want me to be, to pretend and I am gay and I have a boyfriend and you can deal with it, you know, however you want. She went into a depression. Um, She didn't bathe. She didn't eat. She didn't sleep. She just cried and cried and cried. And I, and I, I heard that story more than one time from moms who went through this journey. And that's why I call it the dark night of the soul, because she literally was in the room, in her darkened room, bawling her eyes out for days on end. And then finally, Parker came in and said, listen, mom, I sucked it up for 21 years being your son. I need you to suck it up and be my mom. And so she did. 
You're listening to Coastline. It's a conversation with documentary filmmaker Darisha Kai. After this short break, how she sees the initial rejection of queer kids by their parents. Stay with us. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn for Coastline. Listening to Coastline, I'm Rachel Lewis Hilburn. What do ultra conservative Christians do when one of their own comes out as gay or transgender? And if they accept their gay or trans family member, how many relationships will they lose? That's part of the exploration of Mama Bears, a documentary film by Darisha Kai, which follows the journeys of three families who find themselves in exactly that position. Mama Bears screens in Wilmington at Django's Playhouse on Friday, March 24th, 2023. Darisha Kai, just before we went to break, you were telling us about Sarah Cunningham and her journey with her own gay son, who finally said to her, what? Suck it up? (laughs) (laughs) Suck it up and be my mom. (laughs) Yep. Now, she went on to create her own kind of movement. What What is free mom hugs? So when I met Sarah, um, so this is, so when I first heard about the Mama Bears, I reached out to Liz Dyer and said, I'm a filmmaker. I'd like to make a movie, blah, blah, blah. And she said, send me an email and I'll send it to the moms and we'll see if anybody's interested. And 25 moms responded to that initial email, which is how I knew I was going to make this film. But then she said, and oh, there's a mom coming to New York, because I was living in New York at the time. Um, her name is Sarah Cunningham, and she's doing this thing where she started giving out hugs, and she's coming to Stonewall Inn. She's doing this 10-city uh, tour that's going to end at Stonewall Inn, and um, it's in two weeks. <laughs> and I had no money. I was like, okay, somehow or another, we're going to make this happen. Um, My friend who I told you about who cried when I told him about the film was like, oh, this is too important. I'm going to give you the money to do this first shoot. And we went and shot with Sarah. First, we went to a um, a shelter for a homeless shelter for um, LGBTQ people where she was where she actually cooked a meal for them and just hung out there. And then we went to Stonewall Inn where she was giving out hugs. And so this was before she started Free Mom Hugs. But from that, this idea that like it could be a movement, that it could be a nonprofit, that it could be that she could support other moms uh, was born. And what was so important about hugs? Why was that such a big deal? It's important because so many kids are rejected by their families when they come out. Um, the statistics, the, the number of homeless youth who are LGBTQ is hovering around 40 percent. So that tells you that so many, so many people, when they come out to their parents, they lose their parental support and they wind up on the streets. Right. I was talking to a man one day and he uh, we were doing an interview and he was telling me a story about a friend of his whose parents picked him up from college on spring break and they're driving home and he comes out in the car 
They pull over and put him out on the side of the road, and he did not see his parents again for three years. This happens. This happens. So people who have, uh, who have been rejected by their own parents need love. And to get a hug, especially from someone who comes from the same community that your parents come from and who has overcome that to love you, it means the world to some people. Some people haven't seen their parents in years. Some people's mothers, you know, won't talk to them, like my friend whose mother didn't speak to him for years. So to give out hugs, it just it's an, a level of affirmation that people are a bit desperate for. And it's interesting because if I had just heard about a mom out there giving out hugs, I'd think, oh, that's nice. That's mm-hmm. affirmative. That's lovely. But the way you capture it in the film, seeing it, I mean, it got me like right in the gut. <laughs> it just, it's so moving. There is something that is, because it's like this safe place to land that they haven't had. It's its so affirming. It's so safe is the word that keeps coming mm-hmm. to mind. Safe and loving. Yeah. I so mean, you know, powerful. here are these women who don't have any skin in the game when it comes to these people. They just want to love on them, right? And people, you it's so powerful because you see the light go on in people's faces when they realize what's happening, right? And when they go for that hug, you can see this level of like, ah, I needed this. I really, really needed this. And I think that's what's so moving about it. And, you know, Sarah um, is hooked on it. (laughs) It's a good addiction to have. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you also have clips of her going to pride parades. Mm -hmm. Pride events all over the country. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about, we have a clip of Tammy and this woman and her journey it's an astonishing journey. How did you find her and who is she? So uh, Tammy's and her mom, Tanita, they are the black family and the African-American family in the film. I had been looking for an African-American family to be in this film from the very beginning and having a hard time. Um, I am a black woman. And so it's really important to me. Representation matters. And also, you know, there's a lot of um, conflict within the African-American community around LGBTQ people. There's this sort of don't ask, don't tell thing that often happens within churches and communities um, and Christian communities, I should say. So um, I really needed to explore that and I really needed representation. And so I was looking, 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 looking and not finding anyone or finding people who were unwilling to to participate. And um, one day I saw an email, no, a, a Facebook post from Tammy. And I got so excited. I was like, ah, a black woman, let me reach out. So I re- reached out to her all, you know, happy, happy, happy. And she, she was like, I'm not a mama bear, I'm a cub. That's how she described herself. And I was like, what does that mean? You know, she's like, I'm someone who, you know, I need the mama bear's love. And I was like, well, tell me your story. And she told me her story and it knocked my socks off um, because her journey is just incredible. And you have to see the movie if you want to know more <laughs> about it. But <laughs> but it's it's really amazing. And um, so I said, well, tell me about your mom. And she said, you know, my mom is still a conservative Christian. She believes that homosexuality is a sin, but she loves me unconditionally. And I know this. And I was like, oh. I love that because for me, this message is really important. 
And the message is, you don't have to agree with your children to love them. Just like you don't always agree with your husband or your wife, but you still love them, same thing. You don't have to agree. You don't have to approve. You don't have to, uh, like, it. it's not, that's not your job as a parent. Your job is to love your child unconditionally, right? And so ta- uh, Tanita, Tammy's mom, for me, embodies that because she still has those beliefs, but she loves her daughter, right? And she ba- she flat out says in the film, um, you know, the the fact that my daughter is gay has no bearing on my love for her. So that's how um, we were able to convince Tanita to participate in the film, because I told her, you represent this message that I think is really important. And she thought that message was really important, too. So, um, yeah. That I'm whole gonna... idea that she can believe what her daughter is doing is one of the worst possible sins. And yet she loves her daughter, the human that is her daughter, unconditionally. Those two things occupying the same space might be kind of mind-bending for some people, especially in this day and age when, I, I mean, I, I don't know if we can fairly call it cancel culture. There's been so much awareness that has grown in the world about different parts of the spectrum in terms of sexuality and gender identity. And we've learned so much about gender over the last several years, not just in terms of gender identity, but also in terms of what we understand about human biology. Some of us have learned that. Some of (laughs) fair enough. Some of us have. But there's this really difficult space that we're in right now in terms of the public conversation. And this is true around so many social issues, not just LGBTQ+. And what you're talking about here is is some people might reject out of hand as just an impossibility. Well, you don't love your daughter unconditionally if you are condemning who she is. So how do you, can you help some of us who aren't quite there yet get into that space with you? I will say this, and that is that if you are a Christian and you are, which means you are a follower of Christ, a follower of Christ, Jesus said, above all the other commandments, this, love God and love each other. So you must ask yourself, is your behavior loving? That's it. It's really simple. I thought I silenced the phone. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Is is if you are if you following Christ, then you should be loving everyone. And Jesus was the prime example of loving all the sinners, right? The prostitutes and the thieves and the people who lived on the margins, right? He was the champion for those people because he understood that they are deserving of love, no matter how far they may have fallen. So I don't believe that homosexuality is a sin. But if you believe that it's a sin, your job is still to love that person. That's it. Let's listen to, uh, in this particular clip from the film, Tammy talks a little bit about her memories of feeling different when she was a child. I can remember being younger and being around my girl cousins and them being into the Barbies and the hair and they wanted to do the fake nails. 
and they had all the posters on their walls of the newest boy groups. And me, I had posters of Queen Latifah and Nia Long and Angela Bassett, like. <laughs> it wasn't till later down the line, I was like, oh no, that was attraction. Like, <laughs> I was crushing on them. <laughs> But in the culture that I grew up in, if you were gay, it meant that you were not a Christian and you lived this lifestyle outside of the church, outside of relationship with God, because it was an abomination. When I started to understand what was happening in me, it wasn't something that I could go to my family about. So I went to the only place I knew I could take it, and that was to God. I would just pray, God, take it away. God, fix it. God, come on, help me out here. And that's Tammy from the film Mama Bears by Darisha Kai. Mama Bears comes to Wilmington Friday, March 24th at Django's Playhouse. There is a movement now because what Mama Bears is exploring here for those who are just joining us is what that tension is between an ultra-conservative church that rejects anything about the LGBTQ plus lifestyle or identity and people who consider themselves very much Christian. But there is a movement now. Some women, Darisha, are going to churches to talk about this space where they can inhabit both. Can you tell us about that? Yes, the mama bears are um, reaching out, and they've been reaching out all along to church, to faith communities, to talk about love and acceptance and inclusion. Um, that is their mission, is to help people learn to be more loving and kinder and gentler to the LGBTQ community. Um, and so so that looks like, um, you know, we are fundraising for our, for our to take our film out into these communities so that we can have compassionate loving dialogues with people where we talk about these issues and in a safe space where we actually listen to each other. I find that these days in our culture, there's no, very little listening. Everyone's talking, but very few people are listening. And we need to learn to listen to each other and to um, hear what the, the other perspective, right? Um, and then that way we can find some common ground. So that's what these mothers are doing. They are natural bridge builders because they have been on both sides, right? And so they speak the language of the evangelical community. They know what their beliefs are, and they can they can talk to them in a way in a way that I cannot because I wasn't I wasn't raised that way. So I find that you know they are ambassadors, right, for for the LGBTQ community to the conservative Christian community. And I want to say just one thing about what Tammy was saying about the whole idea that, you know, you're told that it's an abomination. There's a film out now called, I think, 1946 that talks about when the Bible was retranslated and how the word homosexual was introduced into the Bible and that it didn't exist, that it, in ancient Greek, which is the language that they were translating it from, there was no such word. And they were actually talking about pedophilia. They were not talking about homosexuality. So I just want to drop that in for people who are listening. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> there is another main character in your film. Her name is Kai, and we meet her as a tiny little adorable 
blonde, angelic <laughs> little girl. But Kai was born a boy. And how did her mom have to start to come to terms with that? Because her mom didn't accept this right away. Her mom was a Tea Party Republican in Texas who was raised in Mississippi. Her mom was as conservative as conservative can be. She voted a straight ticket for the Republican Party. She considered it her duty to vote a straight ticket for the Republican Party. And so that journey from being that conservative to uh, winning an award as an LGBTQ activist of the year is incredible and um, heart shattering, right? Like she had to, she basically had to be cracked open um, by love, her love for her child. When she started to educate herself into um, what the statistics were for transgender kids, specifically that more than 40% of transgender kids commit try to commit suicide, they attempt suicide. And then, um, you know, seeing some trans kids actually commit suicide. That, that's what cracked her shell and helped her to understand what the risks are. Because I don't think a lot of people understand what the risks are for rejecting their children. And by the time they do, it's maybe too late, right? Um, so, yeah. So, Kai... Uh, <laughs> Kai is a force to be reckoned with. She is one of the smartest people I've ever met. She's very, very precocious. And she has this um, infallible sense of herself. She knew who she was at three. And she stood up for herself at three in the face of all kinds of punishment and discouragement. She was not backing down. And so I think um, for Kimberly, she didn't really realize how bad it was going, how bad it was until Kai, you know, they're a very religious family and they pray all the time. And so at some point, Kai started to pray to die. Or as she put it, to go live with Jesus forever. And I think the combination of knowing that trans kids have a higher susceptibility to trying to commit suicide and her child beginning to pray to die was enough to make Kimberly reassess. Yeah. And there are so many considerations for these parents when they decide to upend their beliefs that that needs to be condemned. So many people that you interviewed lost relationships and community even places to live. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you don't include all of those stories in the film. Yeah. Um, I can tell you one of the women I interviewed, um, no, I wanted to interview her and I didn't get to because I didn't have the money. But this woman, when her child came out as transgender, struggled and eventually came to a place of acceptance. But her, as she became more accepting, her husband started to dig his heels in more deeply. He start, he switched to a more conservative church. He started bringing home tracts and eventually um, religious tracts. And eventually he became violent and they had to flee the home. She, her daughter, and her transgender son, they moved into a home, homeless shelter where they were for, I think, a year. And um, at the end of that, they, um, she, during that time, went to nursing school and became a nurse, and they moved on with their lives. But they lost their father and husband, right? I know of another woman who, um, when her son came out as gay, now she's disabled. They were living on their family farm, um, and her parents kicked them off the farm because her son was gay. So the the risks are high. The you know what can happen to these 
families. You know, you can lose at the very minimum your church community because you no longer belong because it's not a safe place for your kid to be, right? So how can you go there if your kid can't go there? You're right? listening to Coastline. We're talking with independent filmmaker Darisha Kai. More with her after this short break. Stay with us. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn for Coastline. Coastline, I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn. Gay or trans kids are at much higher risk of harm if they're rejected by the adults around them. In ultra-conservative churches that condemn LGBTQ plus identities, parents often have to decide between their child and their church community. But a group of women that call themselves the Mama Bears is seeking to change that. Filmmaker Darisha Kai made a documentary about the group. She joins me today from WYSO in Ohio, where she is on tour with her film and the film's team. It's part of the South Arts Southern Circuit Independent Film Tour. Did I get that right, Darisha? Yeah, that's it. Mama Bear's screens in Wilmington at Django's Playhouse on Friday, March 24th, 2023. So, Darisha, we've been talking about Tammy, one of the main characters in your film, and her incredible story and the fact that she embodies this space where she knew she always knew she was different. Her mom, re- as, a, as a conservative Christian, rejects the idea of her being gay, but says she loves her daughter unconditionally. We we have another clip with Tammy. So let's listen to this, and then I want to get you to comment on it on the other side. Mom, is that enough? Yeah, that should be enough. Remember when we had the personal trainer, he said to eat, like, so many ounces of chicken uh-huh. and vegetables? Yeah. And I think he said, what's that? Kiwa or whatever, I'm not eating that. <laughs> When I did talk with my parents about my attraction, they would explain that there's a lot of things that they may have wanted to do or liked to do, but they made the choice to not do those things, and homosexuality was put into that same category. It was deny, deny, deny. You can say I struggle with homosexuality, or I struggle with attraction towards women. But the moment I say, no, this is who I am, is where we had a problem. from the film Mama Bears by Darisha Kai. Darisha, can you talk a little bit about this space, especially in this moment in time, in the 21st century, when so many people would say, if you condemn part of my identity, you are condemning me and you don't love me and we, and we can't share this space. Yeah, I think we've become so polarized that um, we are breaking down as a society, that our civil discourse is no longer civil. And we have embraced 
not all of us, obviously, but collectively, we've kind of embraced this idea that you can, it's all or nothing, right? It's all or nothing. And that's not based in reality, because the truth is that you don't love everything about anybody. The truth is that there are things that you disagree with every single person that you know, right? And so to reject someone wholeheartedly uh, at hand just because you don't agree with an aspect of their life is not, um, what should I say? Um, I don't know. It just, it just is very simplistic. It's a very simplistic way of looking at something that's very complex. We are complex, multidimensional beings. And we have so many aspects. And so you don't have to agree with every aspect of a human being, right? In order to understand that that human being deserves the right to exist, to happiness, to um, have a place to live. Now, if you don't want to be around someone, that's okay too. But to reject them out of hand is just, it's not fair, you know? And it's not, I don't, I personally don't think it's right. As you travel around, with Mama Bears, your your documentary film. Are you coming across mostly friendly audiences or are you having some tough conversations? At this point, we've mostly been doing film festivals. And so, you know, that's a very eclectic audience. But I will say that in at least three different instances, I have met people um, in Seattle. I met a grandmother, um, middle-aged white woman who said, I'm an evangelical Christian. I have a non-binary grandchild, and I have been struggling to accept this child. And now that I've seen this film, I get it, and I'm joining the Mama Bears. So <laughs> change is possible, right? Um, I have not run up against resistance, although I know Sarah said at one of the screenings she went to, um, someone was there complaining to the box office manager and saying, you know, you shouldn't be showing these kinds of movies. Um, but I haven't personally run into that yet. Uh, the film is going to air on PBS on June 20th this year, and we will probably run into more opposition when we get to that point, because right now we haven't had the national exposure that we're going to get. So we'll, I'll circle back to you then. <laughs> and so you're preparing for that. You said you and your team have been training in nonviolent communication. Yes. What is nonviolent communication? So NVC is a way to talk to people um, and get your needs met, get both persons' needs met, and to understand what people are actually saying when they disagree with you. Um, what is behind the disagreement? What is it that that person needs to um, to to be heard, to be understood, to uh, have compassion? Um, and it's it's a form of communication that's that <laughs> requires a bit of reworking of the brain because we are not taught effective communication in our culture. We are not taught to create safe spaces to talk to each other. We um, as a society, practice a lot of shame and blame and um, not taking responsibility and not being able to be wrong, right? People are so defensive about being wrong or making mistakes, admitting that they've made mistakes, right? But that's fundamental to growth. That is fundamental to learning. If your child doesn't fall down a bunch of times, they're not gonna learn to walk, right? 
they have to fall down. They have to make mistakes. If you're learning math, you have to make mistakes. This is how we learn as human beings. And so it's something that we have to get used to, which is admitting that we've made a mistake and it being okay, right? So nonviolent communication is a way of creating a safe place to converse with people. It's a specific tool set that a man named Marshall Rosenberg created. Um, and he, he used this to de-escalate tensions in places like Rwanda and other war-torn countries where there was huge conflict. And he was able to de-escalate these conversations and help people to see each other's side and have compassion and understanding for each other. So it's a powerful tool. And we all took um, nonviolent communication training at, so that we can have compassionate conversations when we engage with people as we roll out the film across the country. We want to take it to churches. We want to take it to LGBTQ communities. And we want people to feel safe talking to us. One of the mama bears said, we're not going to see change in our legislatures until we change what we hear from the pulpits in our churches is it possible that Christianity in America today is just basically incompatible with LGBTQ inclusivity? I don't think that's true because there are churches that have become affirming, lots of them. Lots and lots of churches are having these conversations. I mean, that's why we want to take the film to these churches where they are struggling to reconcile the teachings with the love that they have, you know, because um, many churches have... Well, so there's so there's risks involved for churches that want to become affirming, because if you're a pastor and your livelihood comes from your church and you know that the moment you say uh, LGBTQ people are equal to us and they deserve full rights and full inclusion in the church, their marriages are valid at half of your congregation may get up and walk out. I've talked to pastors that this has happened to. Right. Um, Jen Hatmaker who's an evangelical uh, Christian and writer. Well, I can't say she's evangelical now. I don't know if she considers herself that. But she came out as affirming, and her books were bestsellers, and a lot of the Christian bookstores started banning her books and not selling them. And so there's repercussions, economic repercussions, emotional repercussions. But there is still a growing movement within the Christian community to embrace and love all their members, right? And so we want to help that movement grow. We want to help more churches have these conversations and become affirming and loving and kind and inclusive. Going back to this concept of nonviolent communication and the principles that you've learned from Marshall Rosenberg's work, can you give us an example of an exchange that could happen in a church setting about this topic, say, and how someone trained in nonviolent communication might handle perhaps a slightly aggressive or violent question or assertion? A part of it is understanding what's behind the aggression, you know, and asking, you know, what that person needs. Is is your, is the energy that I feel coming from you maybe coming from a place of fear? And is there something that you need in order not to feel afraid? Or is it coming from a place of um, shame? You know, are where what what are you feeling and how are you feeling and how can we help you? Right. Just understanding, like, what is the need that is driving you? Right. Are you do you need a safe place to talk about this? Do you need, you know, like just just it's really about 
breaking down the conversation to the essential need that is behind the question or the comment or whatever it is the person is saying and hearing it, hearing the need and helping people figure out because we are not accustomed to asking for what we need. And you're saying if we got better at that, we would be less hostile. (laughs) Well, we would be less passive aggressive as well, right? It's really hard to say, you know what, I just need to be heard. Or I'm really confused and I don't understand this. I just need to understand this, right? It's hard to say that in our society because you don't want to be made fun of. You don't want to feel like a fool. You don't want to be embarrassed, right? So if we create an environment environment where you're not going to be any of those things, where we're just going to hear you out, and then we're going to try to connect you to other people who can help you understand this journey, right? Who can help you along this journey and listen to your fears. Because that's one of the fundamental things about the mama bears that they did is they created safe spaces for these moms to say things that they can't say to their kids because it would hurt the kid, right? But this is a place where you could take all those fears and all that misunderstanding and you can figure it out, right? You can make peace. You can heal. You can dissect your beliefs. You can dissect your family dynamics. You can find support, right? So um, I think for us, it's about creating that safe space where people can talk and be heard and then find the resources they need to take this journey. Do you find it at all, I don't know, ironic that you didn't grow up yourself in an ultra-conservative church? You you understand the African-American community's kind of general conservatism towards LGBTQ plus people and, and identities. And yet here you are acting as something of an ambassador on behalf of some something of a a bridge builder yourself. You call the mama bears bridge builders, but that's what you're doing with this film. Did you, as a member of the LGBTQ community yourself, encounter any of this kind of hatred when you first came out or resistance or hostility? No, actually, I didn't. Um, I I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> and, and let me just correct something. My family is Baptist. For the bulk of my family is Baptist. My great uncle, my grandmother's brother, was a minister, and so for a long, for maybe about the first nine years of my life, I did go to church. I went to the Baptist church, um, and then I left the church when um, they started talking about Adam and Eve leaving the Garden of Eden and finding the city of Nod. And I just thought, how's their city? <laughs> They're the only people on earth, aren't they? they aren't they the first people? Like. What's happening here? And some, then something in my little nine-year-old brain was like, does not compute, right? And when I tried to ask about it, I was shamed. I was shamed. So that, for me, was the end of that, right? Because I'm a very, I'm a very, I don't know, like practical person, very logical person in some ways, very emotional, but also, you know, the logic part of my brain is functioning. And so... I just was like, no, no. But I, so I, I, and I'm, and this is a Christian country. Right. This is a country that um, Christianity, you know, a lot of people consider that the the national religion. You know, it's not, but it might as well be because 
as we see with these laws rolling out, it, it is running things in many ways, right? It is the, the bedrock on which a lot of American laws and culture are built. So we're supposed to have separation of church and state, but it looks less and less like we do. And so at nine years old, you were able to opt out of going to church. Yes. Well, my mom was a bit of a pagan, and um, uh, she just she used to tell me, I mean, she didn't understand why I wanted to go to church, but my whole family was going. My cousin sang in the choir. My uncle was the pastor. Of course I wanted to go to church. I wanted to be with everybody else. But my mom was like, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, well, I'm going anyway. And she's like, okay, go. My grandmother would take me, you know. So when I didn't want to go anymore, my mom was like, good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> and so you also didn't struggle then with accepting yourself or accepting right. the fact that you weren't traditionally heterosexual the way so many of your family members were identifying. Right. Exactly. I did not struggle in that way. Not because of religion. I mean, I, I don't know. My mom was pretty accepting. She kind of, it's interesting because like I was just talking about this at a screening we had last night. Like even queer people a lot of times don't want their kids to be LGBTQ because they understand how hard it is. And that is this edition of Coastline. Darisha Kai, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. This was a joy. Thanks also to WYSO Public Radio and Alejandro Figueroa for making this conversation possible. Coastline's technical director is Ken Campbell. Jonathan Fernell engineered this episode. Coastline is a production of WHQR Public Media. Find us on Facebook at WHQR's Coastline, hosted by... Find the episode at whqr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn for Coastline.